Everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Well, the great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a job for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Here's a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. From Dallas, Texas, the flash apparently official President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. Douglas Viviani here with the investigator extraordinaire, David Cohen. Yeah, what an what a uplifting way to start the show. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Is it safe? It's still 1963. It still bothers me to even to play that. Does it, does it strike oh, you? Yeah. yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, we're going to investigate that mystery and others because today's show is dedicated to all things that are odd in history. Now, if there's things that are odd in history, there's only one person that I'm aware of that we need to tap into his expertise to find out and explore things that are odd. And that would be the aficionado of all things odd, Dr. John Viviani. Welcome back. Oh, thank you. Very good to be back. There's a mic- yeah, you sound real excited. <laughs> There's a microphone there. Okay, okay. This is the 19th show, and we still got to tell him to use the microphone. 19th show. He's, he's getting that. You know what? You're almost at that 20th. You get a jacket show, John. So the white yeah, satin come jacket. Come on, stick it out. You can do it. I can do it. Yeah. Like- no, really. It's, every, it's wonderful. It's very exciting to be back. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, I was more convinced. <laughs> take two. All right. Now, I, we played that JFK uh clip there of Walter Cronkite announcing that's the original announcement wow. of the shooting November 22nd 1963 uh, none of us actually remember that of course we were I barely remember I was three I kind of remember but a little I think we remember I have memories of the his brother yeah, being RFK. assassinated yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that was three or four years later I don't remember 67 I'm pretty sure it was yeah. four years later yeah, yeah. so but uh, horrible horrible now 16, I, bring, I thought that was 68 Maybe 68, okay. Yeah, 68. Uh, I bring a couple of things here to, to, to mind uh, when, we, when we talk about the, the assassination. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's start with the first question. Dr. Viviani, do you think that it was the lone shooter, or is there still a question as to what went on here? No, there's still a question as to what went on here. There's various sources that bring up a lot of questions about the lone gunman theory. But but now we I think it's been so long that I think the fascination is kind of gone yeah, for this yeah. topic. Even for me, I think it's like yeah, something went on, but after all this time, nobody found out, and like uh, let's just move on. It's been horrible, but we're never going to know. And that's exactly what they wanted to have happen yeah. fifty years later when they finally released most of and and Biden has withheld some of the the classified records of the investigation. 
at this point, nobody would be surprised about anything. I think think of how desensitized we are to all horrible things in the world and government agencies and this, that. And like if it came out that the CIA was behind it, would we really be surprised today? Maybe 30 years ago we would. But I don't think people today would be surprised about anything. Now, what about I the think n- that's a good point because – if I can say something here, yes. Um, I saw Doug starting to talk. I'm always afraid. <laughs> yeah, I I think John makes a great point because, yeah, let let's say it was proven somehow that there was a second gunman. I think everyone would just say, "Oh, okay." Now it's nice to know. Yeah. We're not surprised. So I think in that respect, yeah, based on everything that's happened since that time in this world. Why wouldn't there be in, been more than one? Or maybe there was just one. Does it really matter anymore, I think? Well, here's the thing. Exactly. My, here's my beef. We have now established that when something controversial happens and the government's involved, the government wants to hide, in theory, wants to hide the real story. All they need to do is say it's classified material. We'll release it in 25, 35, 45, 55 years, whatever. And when they release it, at that point, no one cares. What if the yeah, C- maybe. what if the CIA, as RFK Jr., the nephew of John, you know John F. Kennedy, claims was responsible for the assassination? Let's hear what he has to say. There's a sixty-year cover-up. The you know the Warren Commission was run by Alan Dulles, who was the head of the CIA who my uncle fired. Congress found that, yeah, it was a plot. It was a conspiracy. There were multiple people involved. Now, Kennedy is citing James Douglas's book, JFK and the Unspeakable, as having the most evidence. All right, so here we go. So now someone that has a personal stake and someone that uh, needs a throat lossage or something, well, how do you, at 69, what happened to his throat? No, he has a disease. Oh, he does. It's a disease that can't, incurable disease. Poor guy. Affects his vocal cords. It's horrible. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah, give him a throat lozenge. No, it sounds <laughs> bad. Help. But you know what? The more you hear him, you kind of get used to it. But okay. it is it is shocking at first. Like well, okay. because I like the guy. He's got yeah. uh, some interesting thoughts and opinions. Yeah, but you have to get the, through. You yes, get through you gotta, hearing it's that. Hard. Yeah, you you get through uh, that, and then you hear him say, "Doctor, you tell me what's going on here with the CIA being involved in the assassination." Well, yeah, that's what he's claiming. He said, and he even says that uh, his his father thought, immediately thought that the CIA killed uh, JFK. He even called the CIA, I believe, and said, well, what's going on? Are you guys involved with this? You know? And why would they do that? Well, why would they? I don't know. It has. There's all sorts of theories on why, you know, he was doing things. Listen, there's the theory going back to UFOs, that he was going to expose UFOs. Uh, that's one theory. But another one was something about the... You know the the mafia or the communists in Cuba, all kinds of things. And also, from what I understand, the Bay of Pigs, uh, a lot of CIA agents died in the Bay of Pigs, mm. and their buddies in the CIA were pissed off. Really? Excuse me, were angry because, of course, Kennedy approved that. Oh, that and, was that was Peter Falk's idea. Yeah, it was Peter Falk's idea in in. Uh, in-laws. The in-laws, the movie The In-laws. Uh, so the thought is the CIA, remaining CIA agents were upset, and so they set the ball uh, rolling to get uh, Oswald, and they set Oswald up to do this. Yeah. 
I don't know what do I know. Again, do we care anymore? I, yeah, I, it's like one of these stories. Like it's fa- it's fascinating, but it's like we've really reached a saturation point. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's move on. If something happens, so so that's the bigger question. Do we ever really get the truth on controversial topics? On topics that are that can really go to the heart of the government, when the government makes a mistake, or when there's a you know whatever you want to call it, a, 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 some kind of a, a process that happens like this that they don't want you to know about. In other words, are there things the government's doing that we don't know about that we'll never know about yeah, for a reason? I think so. There, there, it's a whole dark society going on. David, oh me, yes. <laughs> go yeah. i think we give the government way too much credit for having the ability to actually one execute some sort of plan and two cover it up so i think that as far as kennedy assassinations things like that these big conspiracy theories i don't think our government is capable of, of pulling something like that off they're too you know, inept, bureaucratic, yeah, but, uh, and inept. And, but, yeah, but that's the government that we know about. There's like a whole secret dark government that you know, guard, people in power that we don't even know about that could be pulling the strings. Not these politicians, you know. People. No, I don't. I I think there's stuff going on in the government, of course, that we're not informed about. That that naval intelligence and the armed forces, obviously, things that they need to keep. Um, you know, what is that classified? But I don't think in terms of like big stories or these big interconnected con- uh, um, conspiracy theories, I-, I just don't think that anyone in the government, it, it, there's too many people in, that would have to be involved and would have to keep it under wraps for, for it to never really leak out. So, I, you know, I think we're giving them too much credit, really. I, I agree with you 90%. I was just my, the only thing that I have is in my mind, I'm saying, well, okay, is there a, a possibility? that the CIA could set up a small organization of making up 10 guys and gals that are like mission impossible. Let's say that no one knows what the heck they're doing and they go out and do stuff. Isn't that possible? And when they get caught, if they get caught, they just like killing a, killing a president. Yeah, probably. Sure. Let, Let me ask you a question. Going back to this theory about being desensitized. Do you think that your children Okay. They don't even know who JFK is. That's what I mean. Ten years from now, if the truth came out, they would even give a one iota. And so, therefore, whoever did it got away with it. Yeah. yeah. That's my point. Yeah. They got away no, with Oswald it. Oswald didn't get away with it. No, but the, whoever set up <laughs> Oswald got away with it. If that was the case, we're making a lot of assumptions here. I just think there's a there's a there is a Mission Impossible type of group out there that is rogue from the government. I agree with you. The rest of the government is completely That's rogue in from it. the government. Rogue. Yes, like they can but do. They're, they're, they're sanctioned all, by the government. Well, they're sanctioned they're by sanctioned? a small section, but not all of the government is aware of what they're doing. Let me finish that thought. When we get back. Everything old is new again. You're listening to Everything Old Is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Some men are destined never to leave Alcatraz. It's out on his solid rock. Uh, no one's ever busted out. No one's ever made it. I may have found a way out of here. No one has ever escaped from Alcatraz. I'm in. Me too. And no one ever will. Uh, welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. We're talking about all things odd with David Cohen and the aficionado of all things odd, 
Dr. John Viviani. Doctor, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, just to finish up that thought, I w we were catching up on just a little idea. Is it possible that our government or a subsection, let's say it's 10 people, let's say, a Mission Impossible group that's sanctioned by, let's say, the CIA, and no one really knows about what they do except for higher level or you know some few select individuals, the rest of the government, certainly the Congress, has no idea what's going on. That, I think, is possible. David Cohen, we were saying? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Definitely possible. But I think for, you know, small targeted missions, not for these, you know, vast conspiracies that span over different organizations and involve hundreds of people. No, I 100% agree. Is it possible that that was what happened with JFK? Again, we're talking about, well, no one cares anymore. Sure. Uh, RFK Jr. is trying to bring it to light a little bit to say that the CIA killed his uncle whether it's true or not that's kind of a legit guy i mean or are we saying he's not really credible who's, a, who's a rfk legit rfk jr i i think there are many people that would say he's absolutely not legit yeah including his own family exactly so that so that's what we're saying is is consider the source too you know <laughs> like uh it's it's just yeah. so hard to track this stuff down you just say forget it you just say let it go and then that, that's pretty <laughs> much where we're at and 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 it's it's a shame because somebody in my world in my world view someone got away with killing someone besides oswald got away with uh, planning at the very least and supporting the killing of the president of the united states yeah, wouldn't be surprised yeah so okay so let's go into what we just heard there that was uh, escape from alcatraz 1979 clint eastwood movie has anyone seen it to begin with of course yes all right so now we've also visited uh, Alcatraz, I have. You were there I too. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so we we kind of know this story where they tell where the two brothers and someone else, a buddy of theirs, um, if you're not familiar, escaped. Claim they escaped Alcatraz by doing certain things um, that they uh, were able to make uh, a couple float flotillas, a couple of floats out of some uh, raincoats, right? And they dug behind their toilet and sink and were able to get out and jimmy up the plumbing to the ceiling of the prison and one day they they did plaster faces yeah. of each other like uh you know and and they put made them, dummies and put them in the put, well they just did the face and then they did the they did the standard you know routine yeah. where they you, you put the pillows in the bed and it looks like there's a person sleeping there and you know, back in the day, the security guards had a flashlight. They didn't, they, you know, they yeah, just they flashed cameras. Yeah. yeah. So, so it looked like uh, you know they were sleeping, and so they escaped. Now, um, they did escape. There's no question about that. That's true. That's a very good point. They did escape. Did they survive the very cold mm. waters and the currents and the currents to be able to live? Well, there was a written letter, a letter written. Uh, I'm going to get the year in a moment here on this, uh, when, when the year was, when the letter was written. But it was a letter written to the FBI in 2013. Mm -hmm. My name is John Anglin. The handwritten note says, states, quote, I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I'm 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. Yes, we all made it out that night, but barely. All right, so that's to begin with. Why did he write that letter? 
I'm trying to find the exact quote, but the bottom line is he was he had cancer, and he said, "I have no money." If you, um, I just I he, he wanted immunity. If he came in with guaranteed, he wouldn't go to prison time, and they gave him uh, uh, medical attention that he would, uh, you know, tell the story. That's why the doctor's here. So, so, so now the problem is, by the time that this was acted upon, apparently he died. Because he never, they never actually mm. got him. But there's a picture, David Cohen. Here's a picture of the two brothers, oh. and they are it, the pictures are very reminiscent of the two brothers' photographs from the Alcatraz archives. Hmm. And allegedly, did I read somewhere they went to Brazil? Yeah, they lived in Brazil. They so they went to Brazil after this. How could you? I mean, what an excursion from San Francisco to Brazil. Hmm. I mean, with no money and so forth. I don't know how that's some heck of a story, if that's true or not. Dr. Viviani, what does your research tell us with respect to this allegation? Number one, that the letter was from who he says it was from. I don't. I think the FBI tried to, well, they're not trying to verify the uh, authenticity, and I don't think they were able to, to do that. Uh, but they spoke to the family of these people. Yes. Right? And um, one of the family members said... Oh, yeah. They had the, they, te- they tested it with DNA. Right. Yes. And it matched the DNA. And the handwriting matched the handwriting. Yes. And then a family member says, I've always been talked... Right. It's always been talked about through the family. My grandmother, which probably would have been the mm-hmm. sister of oh, these one of okay. these, received roses for several years after the escape. Mm. I presume they were anonymous. Yeah, you know, it, if they would have only used their intelligence for goodness instead of evil, the world would be much better. <laughs> That's it. They could they could well have said. made some great. They would have know, been good makeup artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, they could have written a heck of a book. I mean, I'm telling you, they could you. have designed these escape rooms today. You know? Yeah, That's right. I mean, this is incredible, incredible story. Law enforcement basically says there's absolutely no reason to believe that any of them would have changed their lifestyle ah. and become completely law-abiding citizens. After Why this you don't escape. think they would learn their lesson after being on the rock? Yeah, isn't that that's? Let's explore that. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, d- no, they they figure they can get out of anywhere. Why would oh, they have to change their no, ways? You would if think you're they, on the rock. No, I think if they went through hell, they'd be like, I'm not going back there. Plus, they went to Brazil. I don't know. Is you know maybe they were able to. They're saying it's in their DNA that they got to be bad. Maybe. Well, how did they get from San Francisco to Brazil? I'm sure they robbed the bank or two on the way down. <laughs> That's for sure, right? There's <laughs> something going I, on. I got out of Alcatraz really. They just took this ferry. Why, <laughs> why didn't they do that? I'm telling you. I remember when they closed. I was in that prison cell in Acre. It's scary, man. They closed the thing on you. There's no lock. But they yeah. close it like, oh, man. Especially when you're in solitary confinement. There's no window even. It's dark. To this day, I don't like watching movies about jail. You know what? The, there was one of these fellows would say, when you go to solitary and it was dark like that, you know what their activity was? He would rip off a button. He'd flip it in the air and search Try and find for it. it. Yeah, that's how he's, he spent oh his time without God. losing his mind. Hmm. Think about that. I mean, it's one thing to be alone, and, I, you know, that's tough enough, I guess. But no light? That's yeah. really bad. Yeah. David? And I'm claustrophobic. I, oh, I would. I don't know how I would live in a cell like that. Well, now you said you visited uh, Alcatraz. You go through the cells. You may not have done it, but did you go into one of the cells? I did. I wasn't 
So the claustrophobia with me started a few years ago. And when I visited Alcatraz, it was many, many years ago. So I, I didn't impact me. But I think if I did that today, I would not, I wouldn't walk into the cell. No way. I'll tell you this. I've had to do a number of depositions in prisons. Mm. When you go, and I'm not a prisoner now, okay, obviously. When you go in to the prison and those first doors close behind you, it's one thing. Then you go further in and the second set of doors close behind you. And then you go a little further into the room that you're going to go in to do the deposition. And that door closes. And they take no. the pens and pencils from you because the the convicts could steal those and, and use them as weapons or whatever. I'm you, Forget claustrophobia, which, which to me is a smaller environment, right? I'm still in a room that's bigger than the studio right now. I'm comfortable in the studio. There's no way that I was ever comfortable in that jail knowing those closed doors are behind you. You cannot get out without help from somebody else, right? I didn't even think about how scary that was the first time I, I just said, oh, is this Simon? I'm going to go, to, you know, have the deposition, but no big deal. It's, trust me, it's a different experience. Oh, how about this? Could you, was it, could you ever dig a tunnel? You see these movies, you know, these well, guys digging tunnels? You might. I'm, uh, I'm, I, to, to, for the feeling I had in that room, I'd do anything to get out of there. Yeah. David? Was your experience different as a prisoner later on? Or? <laughs> as a as a prisoner, you you um you have no hope. I mean, I you know you just look at that calendar. I guess I don't know how you, there's a there's this feeling of helplessness. You know, and it's scary. Man. I just saw again that movie Count of Monte Crisco. You ever see? Oh, that? that's a good one. That's yes, a, with uh, Jim Caviezel. Yes. Oh, that's good. And the relevance? Well, you know, <laughs> digging tunnels and being in jail. Yeah, yeah. he was a prisoner. Yeah, he. I just yeah. read the book. I didn't see the movie. Oh. That's one of David Cohen's favorite books, top five. Correct, David? Really? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That, and would you say Little Women was the other one? What was the other one? No, it was. What was the other favorite book? Do you remember? Um, I swear you said Little Women or something like that. uh, Not Little Women, no. All right, let's just do a little quote since we have, oh no, we don't have any time. All right, we're going to, what was it? We'll come back and find out what that was. I think it was Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, that's what it was. We'll be back. Ready to see again. Hey, Doug, it seems like we've done so many shows. What is the actual count? We're at 214 and counting, increasing every week. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. All right, so let's say that I'm a listener, I'm a fan of the show, and I've missed the last 213 shows, <laughs> right? Where can I go to, to hear this stuff? Uh, it's a great question. We have a channel on youtube so just go to everything old is new again radio look that up on youtube just throw it into the search engine you will see us come up and you will see all of those shows listed on youtube you can listen anytime now what if i wanted to find you somewhere else like on facebook yeah we're We're on on facebook Facebook. yeah absolutely facebook also just go everything old is new again in the search you will find us and we post shows all the time in fact every friday at five eastern standard time we post an old show so you can listen to it on the way home from work wow that's cool. That's new, right? It sure is. Uh, I would suggest you do that. Everything old is new again. Enjoy. And you can find us on the web at everythingoldisnewagain.biz. This is Theo Wilson, host of History Channel's I Was There, and you're listening to Everything Old is New Again. There we go. Very relevant. Very relevant. I wish they would do another season of I Was There. It's still up in the air. Theo Wilson was a great guest to have on uh, Everything Old is New Again. David Cohen joins us uh, as usual. David, how are you? Doing doing very, very well. Okay, very, very well. Wondering what the next conspiracy story we're going to talk be about Very interesting. Will be. Yes. Uh, Dr. Viviani, how are you? Fishing out of all things odd. Wonderful. 
All right, I'm going to just play a little clip here I had just to finish up the thought about this letter from the inmates from Alcatraz. My name is John Anglin, the letter begins. I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962. Yes, we all made it that night, but barely. Anglin's cell is now a favorite stop for tourists who can see the vent he squeezed through when he and the others made their break, then floated off the island in a homemade raft. David Widener is a nephew of John and Clarence Anglin. My grandmother received uh, roses for several years after the escape. No indication that it was really from, from your uncles. Actually, yes, John and Clarence's signature was on those cards. The letter was received by San Francisco police in 2013, but never before made public. The U.S. Marshal Service says the FBI could not determine if it was real. Okay, so here's my thing. Same thing as the JFK we spoke about. That letter was not revealed until now, 10 years after it was presented and the people are now passed away. Again, could it be a situation where just because it's sort of an embarrassment to the guards, if you will, from Alcatraz that these people survived, that the thought is just, you know, bury it. And then when no one cares about this story uh, presented, David Cohen. Where did where did they find this evidence? It's ten years later now. They finally the yeah. FBI find the FBI kept it and finally released it to the general public. Now, what's it been? Yeah, what, why, why not ten years ago? You know, don't like know. I, I just I just don't like ineptitude. It certainly could be. Could also be uh, you know other other issues. Uh, like what 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 would they be covering up exactly? Their ineptitude. Covering up the ineptitude. That, that covering these, up the ineptitude. <laughs> they're inept and covering up their ineptitude. All right, so let's that move on. Point is, I just don't like, you know, I, I'd like to have the, the full disclosure, but you never get it. Anybody ever hear of H.L. Hunley? What that is? Anybody have any clue sitting here? Yes. The aficionado of all the odds knows? What, what is that it? That was a Confederate submarine that was sank after blasting a Union warship all right. on the Housatonic. Beautiful. Let, let us just listen to a clip, an intro to it, and then we'll explore that mystery. The H.L. Hunley submarine was 40 feet long, was 48 inches high, and 42 inches wide. It housed eight men, and their job was to propel, through manpower alone, this submarine underwater. But the Hunley's sinkings and growing number of casualties were not enough to dissuade its commander, Lieutenant George E. Dixon. Dixon was determined that his small craft could effectively be used to disrupt the Union blockade and hopefully open up the Confederacy's southern ports. All right, so that's an intro. David Cohen, did you even know? I, I didn't. I thought it was so interesting that there was submarine warfare in the Civil War. I had heard about it, but I honestly did not know about it in detail. Do you want to see a picture of it? Sure. Here's a picture of the submarine itself. Wow, that's pretty did cool. You, did you notice the dimensions of that thing? Yeah. That's four feet high. You cannot stand up in it. No, and they somehow they crammed eight guys in there. And you know what the eight guys did? Instead of rowing like in the Roman days, they had a, exactly like a like rowing, but it was like a- A uh, wheel? Uh, not a wheel. It was a, a, a stick that you, you sat next to your buddy, and you kind of went like this. You know, you, how do I say this? You, like churning butter, opposite of churning butter. How did they get oxygen in there? That's a good question. They didn't. They would stay up top, and when they had to go down, they only went down two or three feet. And what they would do is they would propel themselves for, uh, I think, a half hour as long as they could do it. They went to a half hour underwater. They had the they had the, the periscope, 
and they would attach the bomb would be at the front of the ship. They would attach the bomb to, I guess, magnetically to the other. No, I don't know if it was magnetic. I, yeah, I, I don't know how they attached the bomb. They attached. They, it was on the front of the ship, and it was supposed to attach to the other ship, and then they backed off. Now, Crazy. doctor, what's the mystery with that? Are you familiar? What happened with the uh, the the crew died? Yeah, 150 years later, the fate of the crew comes to light when Duke University students conducted experiments on scale models to figure out what happened because they found eventually in 64, 1964, they found, oh no, that's, eight, excuse me, in 1955, sorry, 1955, they found the submarine. It originally, in, in 1864, attacked the Union warship, the USS Housatonic, all right? So... It did that, the explosion went off, and no one ever saw the submarine again. Now, I guess you'd say 110, 109 years later, in 1955, the submarine was found. In 2000, it was brought up from where it was. So now we've got a mystery. What happened? Why, why did It was a successful mission. It, it delivered its bomb, and it, it was coming on the way back. Why did everyone die? Doctor, what did they say? They well, had an they investigation. Said, well, yeah, it was a actually a result of the the blast causes these uh, these waves to the blast waves they call them to come back, and the crew was killed instantly because it sent these blast waves through the vessel, which damaged their brain and lungs instantly. So I think they found they found the skeletons in there, like in the same positions that they were uh, rowing at or navigating the boat. Yeah. So so think some... about being first of all think about. I don't know that you had a choice back then, right? Did they say to people, okay, you 10 guys, you, do you want to come in this yeah. submarine and do this? Yeah, I think it's like you, a suicide mission. I, but do you think they asked? I don't like if you're in that position, I think they said, you know, Viviani, you're going in there, go. <laughs> Number one, right? I mean, I guess if they couldn't get people to volunteer, yeah, they would just pick people. Now you're in this thing you can't even stand up in, right? And you're rowing, basically rowing this hunk of metal. Can you imagine? The the smell in that plane? Oh my god, the smell. They probably. I, I wonder. You know, they sm everyone smokes cigars and stuff oh, like that. I wonder if they brought god. the cigars and crap. What did they do there. about like if they had to relieve themselves? No, all over the place. Well, this was short term though too. They would put it. You would be in there like an hour or two. Was, was the plan? It wasn't like okay. You weren't. You weren't. You know. Yeah. It was just to deliver the missile and get out. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a question. Uh, they certainly, you know. Talk about claustrophobia. I, I don't. I don't know. Certainly, there were no windows. So what's going on here, right? Yeah, like they didn't. Have, and they didn't. Did they? Have, they didn't have electricity back then. No. So no, what the they, heck did they like with them? You had them. like you had a couple lanterns. Yeah, in there. they're going to be burning lanterns and the, yeah. and the they're oxygen. Be burning there? It burns all the oxygen. No. Well, they had. Remember, they were on top of the water. They did it at night. They were on top of the water, and so they had holes in that yeah. they would plug later on. So you were okay with air until you decided, okay, we're going under. Yeah. You plug that. So maybe when you went under, you did blow out the candles. I wouldn't imagine be surprised. Just in dark. So you're in the dark. All of a sudden, boom, boom, okay, we hit the ship. Let's go backwards, yeah. and we're out of here. And all of a sudden, you, you go, okay, we survived that mission, right? Yeah. Boom, boom, the bomb goes off, and everyone dies at once. I mean, it's not surprising they couldn't get away from the blast zone in time. I mean, right, that, that guy, right, right. How are they going to reverse, like, with the rowing by hand, yeah. a big, big metal? Imagine I mean, how slow Fred that thing Flintstone went. Could, but... Imagine <laughs> how slow that thing went. It was a big, heavy thing being rowed, being rowed. But basically, the vibration basically shook your brain so much in such a short period of time yeah, you that it caused you to, to die. 
and every one of them supposedly died. What if you were the only one, <laughs> like you were one or two that survived? Oh, God. Just think that, about that. That's all probably your, worse. Oh, my God. All your buddies are dead. You can't stand up. You run the water. You, you, what do you? I, the, I guess the good news is there was no air, so you would suffocate pretty fast, as opposed to Still being much. I, I, I don't know what's a less painful way to die. You know. Meanwhile, you got these, uh, these morons that just did that sub down. You know, a few weeks ago, or months ago, yeah. they, they, die, they had to go to the Titanic and they die instantly. Basically, yeah. in the same kind of machine as this. Basically, yeah. if you really think about it. Okay. And they used parts from uh, uh, Nintendo's. Uh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. I don't know. It's not Mother Nature's nothing to fool around with. Holy smokes, right? I mean, but that it's that, not nice to fool Mother Nature. It's funny. That is, I don't know. I just thought that's an amazing story that they could. They were thinking they they did it. The heroes and us been cheering and everything, going crazy. We got it! Oh, and then boom, boom, this thing goes off and they're just all dead. That's just crazy. And think about all those families who never knew what happened to them. Yeah, because they didn't find it till 1955. Well, they must have just assumed it sunk. Or they blew up or something. Yeah, right? What else could it be? It's just unbelievable. <laughs> Crazy stories. We'll be back right after this and everything old is new again to continue All Things Odd. All right, so Doug, people have been saying, hey, I could find you guys on YouTube. You have your own YouTube channel. I can find you on Facebook. But what about other social media? Do you exist anywhere else in the social media universe? Yes, we do. We're on Instagram and we're on Twitter. At the same thing, you go at E-O-N-A show. That's everything old is new again. The initials, right? So it's E-O-N-A show. And that's it, at E-O-N-A show. You got Instagram, Twitter, and I'll tell you, we post pictures, behind-the-scenes stuff, trivia questions, contests, notes about the show, so you have a lot of fun. Subscribe to us, friend us on Facebook if you can, and, and subscribe to the YouTube, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's fun. I'm going to even start doing that. Ah, it might be worth your while. You can it's... actually know what we're going to do next week. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> at show. That's at show. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. But by two in the afternoon, Confederate Commander Beauregard ordered to withdraw back to Corinth. Huge casualties. 25,000 killed, wounded, and missing. The armies in the Revolution and the War of 1812 are smaller than the casualty count in Shiloh. I saw an open field on the second day so covered with the dead that it would have been possible to walk across the clearing, stepping on dead bodies without a foot touching the ground. Welcome to Back to Everything Old is New Again. A uh, little story there from 1862, the Battle of Shiloh, of course, Civil War. We're diving into some odd mysteries here. David Cohen's here. David, you enjoyed that introduction, just like the, which is worse, that of the JFK intro. Yeah, it's real, real uplifting. <laughs> he would the efficient walk across the field and cool. stepping on dead bodies. Oh, my gosh. I mean, think about, we were, we were born... In those days, let's say you were born in 18, I don't know, 45. Okay. And you had to go to that Civil War. Oh. I mean, that, that had to be, I mean, and, and how, in the beginning, how dopey it was. I didn't even know 
what they were in for. You know what I mean? They didn't realize the hell this was going to be for three or four years. The first battle, there were spectators. There were people that came out and set up folding chairs and wanted to watch it. Right, right outside the Capitol. Is that unbelievable? They had no idea. Well, think about it. Years ago, the Gulf War was on CNN. We're watching the war then, too. Yeah, it's true. But but this was such a, a disaster. Anyway, so the war, of course, was a nightmare and losing so many people. Matter of fact, the United States, we know, has lost more casualties in the Civil War than any other, any other war. Because, of course, they were all Americans, right, um, in theory. So the, the thing is, the Battle of Shiloh was one of the worst battles of the Civil War. And after the battle, the medics came for two days to treat the, pe- the people uh, you know, that were injured and, of course, take the bodies away. And they observed some soldiers that had a pale blue light emitting from their wounds. And those people that had that happen basically survived or had a much higher survival rate that people did not have this glow. And they called it back then the angel's glow. They never knew what it was back in the day. They never could figure out what was this. Was this divine was it science was it something in between what was this angel's glow that he basically helped heal the wounds of those on the battlefield on the battle of shiloh dr viviani uh 140 years later in 2001 some kid some 17 year old kid billy martin resolved not not, billy martin the manager not the manager uh resolved this mystery. Tell us what, what this is all about. Well, they f- they found out that it was actually caused by a bacteria in the, from the soil. I'm not going to tell you the name. It's a big, long name. Um, and what happens is it gets into the blood vessels, and once they find the host, it produces a chemical that kills some other bacteria, and it produces the angel's glow. And normally, this bacteria does cannot live within normal body temperatures, but because the soldiers were in rain and muddy and mud for an extended period of time, their body temperatures were were lower, so it enabled this bacteria to live in this uh, environment, which normally it could not. So this Bill Miller's mother, who was a microbiologist, I'm sure helped. This is like uh, the the Cub yeah. Scouts getting their, uh, their badges, uh, the right? Badges. Yeah. <laughs> the merit badges. The, the dad, the mom and dad have a little something to say once in a while, right? So I'm sure she had something to say about this came up with this idea, and also they found that these, uh, what do they call the These little things are called nematides. They vomit up bacteria, mm-hmm. which produce a chemical that kills the host and surrounds the microorganisms and creates the, the glow. So in other words, something from the ground, right? These This parasitic, whatever it was, parasitic like bacteria. soil bacteria, came and, so my question then is, if this is what happened and preserved the life of these individuals. Do we now use that type of bacteria to to help resolve, you know, problems now? Have we invested? Is this an advancement in science I, I now? Don't, I don't know. Is it some sort of antibiotic that we didn't know about? But now we have other. We don't need it now. We have other drugs. So I'm wondering what they did. That they just think of it as the angel's glow and and sort of blow it. Yeah, off. they didn't use it. They didn't know. They didn't know what it was. They didn't investigate. It was like a, and it only happened on this yeah. battlefield. Well, because it, right, because normally it wouldn't happen in, because of the body temperature. Right, and the muddy were, lands. Yeah, yeah. So it never happened before, I guess, or since. They didn't know what the heck it was. Wow. Now think about this kid. 
I, I put yourself in the seventeen-year-old's head, so to speak, and he's, I guess, like he's doing a project for school to learn about Angel's Glow, and uh, they investigate it with his mom to figure it out. This, this, I would like. We should look this guy up now. Like my son, I can barely get him. <laughs> you know what I mean? To put the wheels on the on the car, the the, the soapbox derby car. This, this is unbelievable. Do you know what? You talk about think we're smarter today than normal. Did you ever see the high school test from like the 1850s, what they had to pass in high school? You and I couldn't pass it right now. Right. Uh, yeah. And and it's hard to believe that in 2001, this kid had the, I wonder how much the mother had to do with it. But in any event, even had the drive to say, I want to figure this out. Right. But how did they do I this? I don't know. This article only says they mentioned the kid's name. They don't say much about what they did. But they do say they solved it. They yeah. do say they resolved the the issue. Mm. David Cohen, what is the biggest investigation or project that you undertook either yourself or as a dad uh, like this? I mean, I'm just so curious. Like, what is the I, I, some people live this life and they and they have this inspiration to do like incredible things. I'm like I'm I'm mad because the water in the pool is down below the skimmer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> David Cohen, anything? No, I mean, not not on that level. I mean, I had trouble helping Ben with some science project because I didn't really understand it any more than he did, but I was expected to. But <laughs> yeah. I also had the internet, so that helped. Yeah, we we had to do for Leo for an electric badge for electric. Boy Scouts. Yeah, we had to do a circuit. And I remember it. But, uh, you know, it's for him to do. Right. Leo, read the book. Leo, read yeah. what this is all about. Leo, let's go to Home Depot. We'll buy. You tell me, Leo, what should we buy? You know, I have to do it that way because I, otherwise I'm doing the project. I'm not doing it for him, you know. And then when it gets done, though, the, the look on his face when he did the circuit, which is basically a battery and some wires going to a light and from a light bulb to, to the battery back again. Uh, and then you know, you put a paper clip in the middle. You so you have a switch to turn on and off, so you understand the electricity. Um, when it's finished, this is about a month ago. He still has the project. He still kept it. The electromagnet we did also. Yeah. So, so so like they get a kick out of it when it's done. And I think that's part of what's great about Boy Scouts or doing these things is it's a it's a struggle to get them to get even to start the project. But once they're in it and they see the result at the end. I think it's, you know, maybe that will give them the inspiration when we have to do the plumbing badge or whatever the next one is to to, to do a little more and do a little more and a little you know, more. I, I could still remember when I was a boy, our father made the uh, electromagnet. Magnet. I can remember being in the basement with him, yep. ma- wrapping the wire around this uh, metal thing, yep. attaching it to the battery. He went to the, the, the hardware store, bought the big battery, yep. right? Yep. Attaches it up. And then it's pulling up all the uh, metal pieces and paper clips or whatever. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so hopefully he remembers it. But, but did it inspire us to, like, I it just I, there are some people that are so creative they take that and they they build from that and they create their own stuff, you know. And uh, well, anyway, we're trying to create some good radio here to figure out what's all fun about aficionado of all things odd and, and the oddness that is out there in the world. We got a minute or two. David Cohen, what are your thoughts on these last three shows? They've been really fun. <laughs> uh, I actually, I like the conspiracy stuff more than the UFO stuff. <laughs> you do? Just my, yeah, like the historical unanswered questions or the ones that were answered recently. Yeah, 
All right, let's do more of those. I, there's plenty of those. Well, no, uh, let's not get, get carried away. Yeah. He said he liked it better than the other. Doesn't mean he really That's likes true. it. Exactly. <laughs> Doctor, any uh, final thoughts here for the last uh, minute on the air for a little while here? Oh, well, you want to talk about that other thing? Do it quick, yeah. All right, real quick. Um, you know, I spoke when I was in the hospital. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I was near deathbed, and I had a vision at my bed in the hospital of this really good-looking guy talking to me saying, do you know why you're here? And I said, yeah, I'm sick. What do you mean? He goes, well, no, if God loved you, you wouldn't be here. And I felt this overwhelming uh, evil in the room. And I, I felt it was a demon and a devil. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I want you to go. And he was gone. Anyway, that's the first part of the story. I was at a party last mo- uh, last week and the subject of sickness came up, whatever that came up. And I had told that story again, because of time I'm abbreviating it. I had told that story to this couple next to me. And as soon as I tell it, his face goes white. I go, what's the matter? He says, last week, a friend of mine just had a heart attack and went into the hospital. And he said that he saw this really good looking doctor at his bedside, but he was saying all these nasty stuff to him and he didn't like it. And he buzzes the nurse. And after the doctor left, he says to the nurse, who was that really good looking doctor? He goes, there there was no doctor in your room. There's nobody here on staff like that. And he said he felt the same thing, this evil presence. And, you know, the theory is that Lucifer was a really good-looking fallen angel. And to hear that story after I experienced it, to say that somebody else experienced the same thing was, you know, kind of freaky. Definition of all things odd. David Cohen, 20 seconds. No, that that that's really freaky. You know, I had to tell it quickly because yes. of the radio. Yeah, but, but to hear I've it, heard that before though. Yeah, right? very scary. It, to have someone else tell it, like you know, it's one thing for right. me. Oh yeah, it was on medications, and first of all, I was in a lot of pain and I was awake. I know I wasn't sleeping, but somebody else can say you were hallucinating. But then to hear the same thing or a similar thing from someone else who I didn't even know, that's kind of weird. Kind of odd. We'll be back on Everything Old is New again next week to talk all things pop culture, entertainment, and more. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Thank David. You. We'll be Thank back. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. Enjoy. Enjoy.